the will to win, where emerging entrepreneurs come to learn the best tips, strategies, and techniques to unlock their potential and become more successful. I'm your host, Steve Scani, and each week I will bring on the most incredible guests who are going to share their own unique stories, knowledge, wisdom, and insights about how they've been able to close the gap between failure and success, and then go on to live a life of greatness. Here at The Will To Win, we are dedicated to educating and inspiring you to be able to maximize your potential and make what seems impossible totally possible. doing this can you believe it Adnan yes we are we're finally doing this Steve our own talk show episode whatever you want to call it you know (laughs) our own video recording our YouTube channel our podcasting platform that's it the will to win podcast and YouTube we're also on Instagram Exactly. I got a website by adnanrasool.com. I am a blogger already, so I'm pretty sure there'll be plenty to talk about. Absolutely. And today we're going to be talking about values and financial IQ. Indeed. Uh, These are two most passionate topics that I I thrive in. So before we dive deep dive into it, I'm a writer, I'm somebody who's obsessed with curiosity, personal growth, uh, and on on personal level, I have worked in the investment management and superannuation industry for the past uh, decade or so, helping Australians to reach comfortable retirement by supporting strategy, investment governance, investment selection, and in personal capacity, I don't promote anything that I haven't implemented and tested myself or in some wow. shape and form still using it to this day. And I'm very excited to share that uh, with the audiences and of course, you know, taking your lead and jumping right into it. All right, let's let's get into it then. So obviously values direct our behavior. They are the guides to the decisions we make in life, business, in everyday situations. And they're so important. They often go underestimated. And sometimes we don't even realize what our values are. So what are values to you? Like, Adnan, like what, what does it mean to have values? Uh, I usually say, even if you don't know your personality, you have a personality. The same way, even if you have never listed your values, you don't know your values, they're always shining through how you make your life's decisions, your personal conditioning, and mainly how do you spend your time. So the way I define values is values is the unique zen, equilibrium, or thermostat that you have personalized to spend the limited time you have on this planet. Mm. That is the best way to sum it up in my limited limited view. As you, you'll see it from Carl Jung throughout history, through philosophy, practicality, everybody has a value hierarchy. Like everybody has a God value. So you'll see people who have a God value as money. Everything is money. Mm. Love, life, relationship is money. What's the point of being intelligent? You don't have money. What's the point of having a family? You don't have money. So for them, everything is about money and there's nothing wrong with it. That is their God value. It's like a prism that you see everything through. For some people, the God value is family. There's like, oh, what's the Mm. point of having money? You don't have family. What's the point of being employed and being young, especially for women? You don't have family. So for them, 
the God value is family. And for a lot of other people, people of faith, following Jesus Christ or Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, that is their God value. What is the point of having money? You are still a sinner. You're not contributing to the world. You're not progressing for the next life. So I say it doesn't matter what everybody else's values are. We all have unique percentages for that. You just need to know what percentage you have mm. for the things which are important to you in life. And so obviously certain values are allocated more value than others. And not every value has the same significance. Not all values are as important as each other. So that process of deciding what's most important in your values, like the the hierarchy, how do we prioritize that hierarchy so that it's, it's working in our favor so that the values are directing our behavior and we're not we're not allowing the social conditioning around us to affect how we operate our values. Like how do we ensure that process runs smoothly? And this is where it gets interesting, right? Everything has a cost. Time is the only thing we don't create more. Time is the least we have and we use it the worst. Hmm. I've usually found that you value personal development. We're doing this YouTube podcast today rather than sitting at home procrastinating on our couch. Yeah. <laughs> Do you understand? Similarly, a lot of people, they go back and they develop their passive income and they decide hustle rather than sitting at the pub. There's nothing wrong with it. But you are actively choosing. There is always an opportunity cost of you doing anything. Mm. And that is the only thing which has value. Yeah. And it's much more profound when people talk about money itself. Well, like money in absolution doesn't mean anything. You can't eat money. Money only matters at what cost. I make half a mil working 120 hours a week. Mm. What is the cost? I make only 50,000 a year, but I work three hours or five hours a week. It's only the relativity of time which actually tells you what has value for you. So I don't preach people what, what values they should have. They need to find their own value. That is a circumstance of their genetics, their personal history, their personal conditioning. You are the unimpeachable truth on your emotions and your experiences. You mm. give narratives to those experiences and you get your value hierarchy. But I can give you an objective, simplified, turnkey solution to enlist and understand what are your values. Well then, let's uh, go ahead and explain this value system how does so, it work? So there's a there's a concept of happiness pyramid. They say happiness pyramid has three, three main main facets. So the first one is freedom. Money doesn't buy happiness, it buys you freedom. Freedom to do something else, freedom to spend your time, freedom to choose a different career, freedom to choose a different pathway for your life, freedom to do whatever you want to do when you're young. You can travel, you can be rich. It gives you freedoms. So that's why it has values. And the second element in that pyramid is Happiness pyramid is relationships. The longest running study in the world is the correlation of quality of relationship mm -hmm. is directly correlated to the happiness in your life. No matter what you say, relationships are important. They are necessary. They are important part of our life. However, no amount of amazing relationships or money matters if you don't have health. So the happiness pyramid stands on health. I've never met somebody on their deathbed and said, oh, I should have made him one more mill and oh my God, I'm worried about the one who got away. Mm. So health is the only actual wealth and you build everything on top, but you still need to have a personalized method how you want to 
approach it. And I even go to the extent that your values is the actual religion in your life, not the one you preach, promote, or tell other people. Mm. And the ultimate way to get there is, and I write about this, I've had a piece called Values, the Actual Religion in Your Life. And it gives you a very simple framework that you get a piece of paper, you realize there are 168 hours in a week. That's right. If you take away the fundamental needs such as sleeping and working, it leaves you with 72 hours. Just 72 hours in a week. Wherever you have spent the past two years of your life or 72 hours for the past two years of your life, that those are your values. So incredible. So I think it's a very simple exercise and it's it's enlightening it. I think it's priceless in the fact that it it makes the unconscious conscious. The moment you put your values down, you kind of realize, oh, I tell everyone I'm a hyperactive person, but I'm spending 15 hours at the pub and I spend four hours at the gym. Yeah. <laughs> so exercise work. is my sixth value. And mm. then you're like, oh, what is in between one, which is pub and sixth? And for somebody else, you might say, oh, I love family. Like a lot of especially people who are in different life stages, married couples with kids, or our, you know, we value family. And when you list down the table, you're like, I spend 15 hours on online shopping and on my phone. <laughs> and I spend eight hours with my kids in a concentrated manner. Then family is not your core value. I see. And just sort of extending on that point, what we're seeing here is that often in life, we compromise on our values. We know what our values are, but we choose to compromise. Like what's going on in our minds to steer away from what we want? And is it is it the pleasure of uh, taking the easy road? Is it because it's a lot hard? I don't know. Like what's what leads to this compromise? Well, that is a very, very interesting question and a testament to your wisdom that you realize that, first of all, if you have that self-awareness, you will identify that cognitive dissonance. Hmm. Cognitive dissonance is the behavior does not match the value or you have beliefs that you don't live. And that is probably, in my limited opinion, the root for all personality disorders or dissonances or, or a lot of mental health challenges. So two things have to happen. And every psychologist, if you have been to one or if you meet other people, they'll tell you exactly the same thing. Either the belief has to change or the behavior has to change. Mm. So one way or another, wherever you are, and if you think, oh, my God, value is family, but it's not stacking up. This table or this exercise allows you to self-accept. That I, at this point in time, I've realized that I've slipped away from my values. That actually shows the unsatisfaction, unease, resentment, passive existence in my life. How can I start allocating more time towards that? And then you'll realize, oh, maybe I do need to reduce the time I spend at the pub. Mm. Maybe I do need to spend less time worrying about different things or procrastination. I do need to consciously direct that time to my actual values. So I, I, and that's not even the interesting bit. The interesting bit is what you, what do you do when you have two or three positive values which are colliding? That is a bigger challenge. That, that is, wow. Because they're both, the, the values are just as important as each other. And you're like having this tensions, like 
do I take this path? Do I take that path? Like, yeah, that 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 can be very uh, difficult. Like, and 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 how do you deal those situations when they say come up for you when you know you um, there's something that has equal value? I, I I fundamentally believe the moment you start practicing consciousness and self awareness in daily life, it is like a cruise control which allows you to supersize in. So so you, time may dictate what your values are today, but ha, but behavior change over a repeated period of time will dictate your new values. So just to give you an example that I I wanted to pursue my personal business and I value exercise and I value socialization. So until you know which is the actual area which is immature compared to other areas, you won't actively take time from that. Mm. Another example would be, oh, you value work, you value ambition, you value getting your feeling of importance and doing and contributing to the world. But you also love family time. You miss your connection with them. So it's it's two-way street where you realize that, oh, I've spent a bit of time with my family now. I can actively take two hours away and direct it towards my business. Absolutely. And it's that process of positive reinforcement. Because if you get the reward before you do the thing that, you know, is maybe more painful, maybe there's, you know, you don't feel like doing it. You've got to do the more painful thing before you get the reward and then you get the positive reinforcement. But if you get the positive reinforcement before you complete that task, it's it's not the same. It really isn't. And. And the active dynamic recalibration on a weekly basis and everybody throughout the history when people talk about from stoicism to every other philosophy, journaling. That is the only way that you recalibrate your values on a weekly basis. That is the only way Steve can have a conversation with Steve a week ago, a month ago, a decade ago, because otherwise there is no record. What has improved and how the values have changed, they still need to be recalibrated. But I personally say that I can say hand on heart, this is it. This is how we stop wishing and expecting and demanding a better life. This is how we actually become a better life. This is the highest form of integrity. Saying what you do and doing what you say. Absolutely. You can look at through history. The highest form of success is aligning your actions to your values. And this is the methodical implementation by daily habits and having that stack of undeniable proof of you saying who you are on a weekly basis. So that I think the values are, are everything. The value hierarchy is the fundamental basis for your deep self-awareness that is required to find your purpose in life. And so obviously it's important to review your values. And on that note, like how often would you recommend in your experience or even with yourself, like how often would you review your values would be once a week, once a month, or is it just when the, whenever, like when? Well, I think initially it's better to do that exercise and you're going to see it as an experience. I say a good experience changes the way you do things. An amazing experience changes the way you think. Mm. And that is priceless. It's like somebody doing deep sea diving and realizing, oh, there's a whole world. I'm interested in underwater photography now. To get there, you need to see it as that experience within yourself. Rumi says self-knowledge is mother of all knowledge. This is the route to get to self-knowledge. 
And I think that initially it should be on weekly basis. You should recalibrate that. I have an amazing example that I I tell some of my friends in my personal sure. journey. I've exercised for God knows for how long. Like it was a core thing, being healthy, good value. I've struggled to do um, five to 10 minute plank for a decade. And through life's challenges, being younger than your physical age, some back problems last year, I made up my mind that I'm going to do a five to 10 minute plank every day. And I start with a minute. And I can assure you that the morning you wake up, you convert that agony of waking up into cortisol, into dopamine. Mm. That changes everything for you. And the level of self-belief it brings you Nobody can live it for you. Nobody can explain it to you. That is you breaking your comfort zone for revealing a higher self and becoming what you want to be in life. So, uh, well, I I laugh about this. I was like, I've had a PT for a decade and even he's like, what happened? (laughs) What happened? And I'm like, life happened. (laughs) Like, you know, on on paper, it might appear like, oh my God, I'm so fit. I do that. No, (laughs) Like pain is the universal constant. The the cure for the pain is in the pain. Once you lean in, you convert that pain into constructive and productive actions for your higher self. It allows you to shine through. And everybody is on their own journey. You don't need to say, this will never happen to me. A bad day is coming for all of us. Unchosen suffering finds us. Everything suffers from the law of impermanence. Industries get desolated. You will get old. Your body will get frail. So this is how you become a better version of yourself to endure that hardship in a meaningful manner. Wow. Now, as they say, life is change. And if there's no pain, there's no gain. And yeah, you got to be constantly pushing yourself, breaking through your comfort zone, turning things up a notch. And yeah, that's how you grow, I guess. But we are also focusing on financial IQ today. So we want to sort of cross over into that and talk about some money matters. (laughs) Um, Something that I think we all have a challenge with is, for example, uh, emotional spending rather than conscious spending. So we see something, we want it, we buy it, and we may not even have the money for it. There's a lack of self-control. We want things instantly. We don't want to wait for them. We, we don't want to save for them. Like, how do we work through those kind of things? What a segue. <laughs> I couldn't have figured out a better way to move into that. So um, self-awareness is the root of all self-improvement. Similarly, financial awareness is the root of all financial improvement as well. Wow. So you still need that self-knowledge. And I, I do have to give a disclaimer just for ASIC. This is general advice. This is not personal advice. It's not tailored to your personalized circumstances. Plus personal advice takes around $3,500. I Most people I know don't even have that much money to invest in the first place. Being said that, this is general advice only. We're not pushing any product. And these are based on principle-based, eons old book knowledge, which is valid to t- this date and responsible for all investments in the world, one way or another, they're based on the same fundamental economic and capital function and assumptions. So uh, again, there's a detailed sources uh, and, and articles on my website, but we'll definitely deep dive into it on the emotional spelling element Alrighty. of that. Excellent. Thanks for the disclaimer. Let's keep it rolling. I, um, I tell the story uh, in 1720, Sir Isaac Newton, 
Um, made it on seven thousand pounds in South uh, South Sea Company, and South Sea companies like Apple or Nvidia of right. that time, seventeen twenty. Wow. He he made some money, and he's like, "Oh my god, this is pretty amazing." He said, "Like, oh, this is not trustable." So he got seven thousand pounds out, and he uttered the words, "I can measure the motion of heavenly bodies. I cannot encapsulate the insanity of people." Despite saying that, in peer pressure to impress others or out of boredom, he took exposure in that company again and he lost £20,000 at that time, which is equivalent to $3 million. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot of money. And since that day, nobody was allowed to say South Sea in front of him. So uh, Benjamin Graham, the, the author of Intelligent uh, Investor, he says that Sir Isaac Newton, it's not that you don't ha- you're not smart or you don't have IQ. You lack the emotional discipline of a brilliant investor. And that actually shows you that whatever your money does is way less important than what you do. So, um, so financial IQ in, in very simplistic terms means that you have the freedom to choose how you spend your time. You have the freedom to liberate yourself. Rich people are rich not because of the income they make, because but because of how how much money they keep for and for how many generation. Financial survivability is uh, defined as your ability to maintain your living lifestyle without working. Wow. So it is all about that, and I do want to put placeholders over here, especially contextualize it for Australia. In Australia. Financial literacy is so bad, only one out of four people can answer four basic financial literacy questions. That's crazy. <laughs> the financial literacy... Don't ask them. <laughs> the financial literacy gap of yeah. women versus men is second lowest in the developed world. Oof. And that's not just it. There's, it doesn't matter what I think and what I'm passionate about or what you say. There's objective reality that is panning out that defines the destiny of the microcosm that we influence and we inhibit. And that is that 80% of the homelessness in Australia is made up of women in their 50s who are single and divorced. 46% of women have no idea what their retirement plan is compared to oh 76% men. Oof. It also turns that a blue-collar worker's financial IQ isn't much different from a white-collar worker. 42% of people who make more than $150,000 a year don't know where to get financial advice. Only 36% of corporate workers in Australia are sure about their retirement. And that is even lower for hospitality and the hard workers mm-hmm. and the blue-collar workers in Australia. And, and this is something which is very close to my heart. And I, I always make a point to mention that, that, that 75% of all adult suicides in Australia are men. That's, that's crazy. And the biggest contributor in recent times with the cost of living pressure has been financial stress, which is more than loneliness and relationships. 40% of suicidal attempts have been in relation to financial distress. That's insane. So everybody who's listening, call Lifeline at 13 11 14. If you or somebody uh, you know needs help, this is a very normal and distressed position that everybody finds themselves once in a while. But you can work your way through this. And I fundamentally believe your the secret to your financial success is within you. Nobody can tell you what is best for you. They can only help you find it within yourself. So, so I'm very excited about this topic and I think this is going to take up and why you can already see momentum in that domain as well. And 
yeah, look, it, it, the struggle is real. Uh, there, there are families, men, women, who are facing immense financial pressure, wondering where they're going to get their next dollar, where, where they're going to get the money they need to keep things going so they can live a normal life. Like, that's what we all want. We want to live a normal life. We want to have a happy life. Um, but it's like, how do we, you know, manage our money better or how do we increase it? Like, you know, yeah, we can manage our money, but with prices increasing, inflation, everyone's trying to work out where do I, where do I, how do I close this gap? Where do I get this money? Like, so I think this is where the gap is. Like, you know, you're in, in our schooling system. I, I often say that education and profession is not enough. You need financial awareness or financial freedom. Mm. Um, and the best memoranda on the topic is available at hand all the time. I think I mentioned it takes $3,500 for financial advice, but you yep. can borrow my books for free. They'll build your financial IQ. People ask you, oh, billion dollar question, how do I get rich? Mm. How, what's the way of getting rich quickly? You got to become financially illiterate. The same way you take a plane without understanding what the pilot's checklist is, where did they buy the tires? You just buy the ticket and you ride the plane. Similarly, you don't need an economics degree. You don't need to read 900 books. You need to work and understand the fundamental key areas of financial literacy. From Rich Dad, Poor Dad, one of the best books on the topic, which covers mindset, application, education. It tells you there are four key areas of financial IQ. There's um, accounting, which is understanding of numbers. Then you have market, supply and demand. Then you have investing, the biggest art in the world, making money from money. And then you have law, which also has taxations. So you can work on all these areas in, in, cumul in a cumulative manner or in isolation. They will build your financial literacy because I can tell you this. Money doesn't solve problems. Intelligence solves problems. You have to be smarter than money. You'll make it work for you. If money is smarter than you, all your life you'll be a slave to a money. And money and pleasures are very cruel masters. Throughout the history of time, nobody has come out on top who has worshipped money. No. And it's all about from the richest man in Babylon to rich dad, poor dad, to Warren Buffett. Everything comes down to internal fortitude and emotional discipline because this is what it is. And this is what I focus on. I focus on the hardest element of financial IQ, which is emotional discipline. There's no point of making money if you're going to blow it. 90% of the lottery winners lose the money in the next two years. There's a simple reason. I can give you 10 businesses right now, but if you don't know to run how to run any of them, you'll lose it in, in a year or so. And that is the true reality. Knowledge liberates you. Financial IQ is about knowledge. It's about understanding how do you gain financial survivability? Which daily habits do you I need? What are the methods of the rich? Yeah. And what about, I mean, obviously, it's nice to be able to have more money flowing in, to have this mindset of becoming rich and increasing your wealth. But what about uh, preventing debt? What about saving and reducing debt in being able to have more financial security in your life for the everyday Australian. And that's where the values come in. Like I, I remember like they, you have cohorts of people, you got people who watch the pennies and blow a dollar. Yeah. And you got the splurge people or you got the, oh my God, it was on sale people. <laughs> and you have like other people who are like, oh, you know, uh, I got a great deal. I know mm. a guy people. It doesn't matter which people you are. You just need to know which one are you. 
There's no right or wrong answers for that. But if you don't remember anything from this YouTube, and if you just remember one thing, the key to wealth is conversion of your paycheck and ordinary income into passive asset income and portfolio income. That is it. Your whole job is to free yourself and not make your money dependent on you. Mm. True luxury, the only luxury that is true in this world that doesn't lead you to spend more time on it. It doesn't lead to increase in liability. It doesn't lead to increase in debt. It is automated. It is an actual luxury for you. So you might buy a Ferrari tomorrow, but once the car payments start coming in, you're going to resent it. People will mm. be like, oh my God, your Ferrari looks good. Well, like, I feel shit. Yep. But yeah, I'll take the external validation. So you do have to make sure that you, you the luxuries that you're chasing are true luxuries. and That you can actually afford them, that you're not spending beyond your means. As I remember many, I remember many years ago, I was volunteering this community organization. I met this guy and he was living on the streets or was taken in by someone. And he said, oh, I used to have this BMW. It was the best car. Like I was living the life. And I said, well, what happened? What's going on now? He said, well, I couldn't afford the repayments. They took my car away from me because he was spending way beyond his means. He wasn't thinking realistically. And, you know, if you, if you can't afford something, you've got to say, hey, is now the right time? Is now the right time for me to be spending this kind of money or do I need to review my situation, my circumstances and look at this at another time when I've got more money? Yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more. That that self-reflection goes a very long way. And I, I usually say that job is a short-term solution to a long-term problem. Job just means just over broke. Mm. I'm not preaching over, hey, you start a business, you do a mm. small business. You make sure you mind your own business. Rich only focus on their asset columns. Mm. Poor and middle class focus on income and expenses. That is the rat race. It's a hamster's wheel dash. Half a mil a year is still a hamster's wheel dash. It's a junkie's hit to the next sort of, you know, hit. And the reason for that is you're just working against time and aging. So to get off that pedestal, you need to have assets which bring in more income and make more assets and liberate you. Mm. So it's always good to look at that. And I think one of the things that usually stands out for me is that cynics always criticize, winners analyze. And that's what Robert mm. Kiyosaki says from yep. Dad Poor Dad. So as you said, you got to analyze yourself as well. It's easy to criticize. And the rich, the true rich, the old money people, they buy the luxuries the last. You know why? Because they buy the assets first, which bring in the income to buy Amazing. the luxuries. And nobody's more desperate than poor and middle class to appear rich. That is why they buy luxuries with their slaving their every breathing moment, credit card debt, inheritance, yep. and perpetual sadness into their silver lining in the years when they have a sick child, when they get old, when they can't work. So I, I usually say that you can have the similar frameworks and daily habits to understand where you are. Money Smart has a spreadsheet. I know spreadsheet people will be like, oh my God, like they roll their eyes. We all do. We need to find yeah. a brain if that's there. So yeah. you, it's better to be a nerd who has financial freedom rather than a rock star who's homeless. Mm -hmm. So it's always good to, to ensure where you are. That spreadsheet is amazing. You put weekly income and gives you quarterly and monthly income. So similarly, a doctor can't treat you or give you a plan if you don't tell where the symptoms are, where am I at right now? You can't get onto the uh, Medicare queue to get that surgery. Similarly, you can't get to emotional discipline if you don't know what your budgeting situation is. 
And there are other tools that I talk about on my website as yep. well. And you can listen to the articles. You don't have to read it. Where I give easily implementable distilled wisdom-based advice, which allows you to build your financial IQ. You don't need to read nine books. You just have to listen to the recorded articles. It'll lead to the change of mindset and go to the tools that are provided over there. And and you, you touched on a very, very point sort of point. Um, what I, I usually mention people, I say that it's, um, it seems people are forever controlled by their emotions. Indeed. Emotions are superpower. They're energy into motion. You need to right size them, convert them into constructive and productive actions mm. to get superior outcomes. And I say, if fear and greed drive your life, you're not free. It doesn't matter how much bank balance you have. If you can't go to sleep, if you're afraid of losing your job, if you don't have financial survivability, if you don't have your asset column to back you up, irrespective of the fact, no, mat no matter how much money you have, then you're not free. Freedom from fear and greed is true freedom. And so often in life, we are just all about the money. I just want more money. And it doesn't matter how much money you make, how much money you earn, whether you win the lotto, it's never enough. There's always, you're always wanting more. And that's destructive. As you say, it's, it, it's, it really kind of limits you in a sense. And it's a, it, and I'm glad you brought up this point. And this is why I keep on thinking. So, so there's no amount of money you're going to earn. You're going to say, Oh my God, I've arrived. I don't need more. That's not true. You're always going to pursue that. So if you know, it's a bottomless pit, it, there's only two ways to have enough. One is to constantly seek more and more. And the other one is to develop the capacity to be happy with less. Yes. When that choice is personal. If you know that there's always a summit to climb or there's always a new mountain to climb, you don't link need to link yourself word to the summit. Mm. And that's where the values piece is very important. That you can see if the money is bringing you the freedoms to live the highest form of success or pursue the actual values in your life. If you don't have the clarity around your personal values, money will just be unconsciousness. Mm. Like, you know, unless you make the unconscious conscious, it'll keep on controlling your life and you'll call it destiny. You can't go back in time. I know in long term, a lot of the things come out and wash, but time also moves in one direction. Like, what was it? Like, narcissism is slamming other people for their mistakes. Altruism is that acknowledging your own mistakes, but not, not holding other people accountable. Mm. Wisdom is slowing the rate of your mistakes by learning from other people. Exactly, because one of the best ways to learn is to learn from the mistakes of others who have gone before you, to stand on the shoulders of giants who've done what you want to do, and you save time, save money, and you accelerate your success. And you came back to saving time. Yes. The values. <laughs> it's the limited time that you have on this planet yep. that you need to define, and that's your zen. I think that's mm. that's where we ended up in. So we need to we need to be consciously aware of the time that we have, and Use, utilize it to the our maximum capacity so that we're actually making progress with our time. We're not wasting it. We're utilizing it in, in an effective way. Um, and it, it is about planning. It is about organizing. It is about having a structure. Um, it's so important because if you don't know where you're going, you don't know where you're going to end up. 
and and I couldn't agree more. I I I fundamentally believe that it's a it's a very it's a very important way that you're actually choo- actively choosing. So I went to and as part of the like financial IQ research, I went to Sephora the other day and God, yeah. I realized like Gucci beauty powder is hundred and twenty dollars. Huh. Huh. CPA shares are ninety six. Yeah. One needs to be replenished every month, every other month. One gives me dividends to buy the Gucci beauty powder and L'Oreal yeah. serum for like 438 bucks. Yeah. So it is just about pausing and asking yourself that is it a need or is it a want? Mm. And the ultimate use of financial IQ is using your needs to get your wants. Wow. A good example for that is that I remember in Rich Dad Poor Dad, he talks about, actually, I'll give you a personal example. In my family, whenever somebody turns 18, uncle gives them two grand, their parents put in two grands, and they get it in a trading account. Whatever they want to buy, a laptop or a car or whatever, they have to earn their way. And what happens, nine out of 10 times, we lose the money. (laughs) But the lesson is priceless. The same young adult Whenever you ask them, what do you want to buy next? And he's like, oh, I I don't want to buy. I'm interested in understanding how does this work? Hmm. They're interested in being smarter than money. They're interested in in freedom. They're interested in liberating themselves from the rat race of income and spending. And that nobody nobody can insure it for you. So for me... Raising the financial IQ of families is as much important as anything else. You hear in Sydney, everybody who lives in the East, they were like, oh, it's all inherited. Yeah. What isn't in the world? You're inherited too. You are a reflection of values, life decision, financial survivability of your ancestors. So it's an easy cop out. Yeah. So it doesn't matter wherever you are. I keep on re-emphasizing. You just need to know where you want to be. And to get to where you want to be, as you said, Steve, you do need to encapsulate your your actual values in your life. And you need to have that awareness and financial awareness around your don't wants, which define your wants. It's very important that that is classical. I think from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he says that he didn't want to work all his life. He wanted to be, didn't want... Two, uh, two kids in a house in suburb. Mm. He didn't want to slave away his life. He wanted to travel while he was young. These are his don't wants. And these are then became his wants. His wants were to be rich at a young age, travel at a young age, not be driven by fear and greed, not be worried about recession, redundancy, inflation, and other things. So this, this is way the best thing you can do for yourself is completely understand your current values right now. Make a list of your don't wants. Trust me, they will automatically define your wants. And then you just need to your values to get closer to what you want. Wow. What a summary. That was incredible. So we're literally coming to the end of our podcast, YouTube interview, the will to win today. And yeah, the the wealth of knowledge and wisdom on values and financial IQ has been through the roof. I'm blown away. So thank you so much, Adnan. We've really excelled here. Uh, So yeah, you guys can follow me on Instagram, Steve Scarney, on TikTok, Steve Scarney, and YouTube as well. And Adnan? Yeah, I... 
it just flew by time so it was fantastic <laughs> really love it uh, please visit adnan-rasool.com if you want to read more on personal growth financial literacy relationship psychology axiology philosophy you don't need to read it you can click and you can listen to it and follow the socials and we're looking to create a lot more frameworks which are simple daily habits and tools which allow you to live a better life and become the best version of yourself Thank you for listening to The Will to Win. I hope today's episode was overflowing with value and helped inspire you to make what seems impossible totally possible. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit the subscribe button. And if you got value from this episode, it would make such a huge difference if you could just take one minute of your time to leave me a five-star rating and review, then screenshot this episode, share it on your story, and tag me in. And until next time... Don't forget to remember that nothing is impossible.